Chapter 4 Moses in Egypt, Part 7 of The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rhonda Fetterman. The Legends of the Jews, Volume 2, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. The Faithful Shepherd. When Jethro bestowed his daughter, Sipporah, upon Moses as his wife, he said to his future son-in-law, I know that thy father Jacob took his wives, the daughters of Laban, and went away with them against their father's will. Now take an oath that thou wilt not do the same unto me. And Moses swore not to leave him without his consent. And he remained with Jethro, who made him the shepherd of his flocks. By the way he tended the sheep, God saw his fitness to be the shepherd of his people, for God never gives an exalted office to a man until he has tested him in little things. Thus Moses and David were tried as shepherds of flocks, and only after they had proved their ability as such, he gave them dominion over men. Moses watched over the flocks with loving care. He led the young animals to pasture first, that they might have the tender, juicy grass for their food. The somewhat older animals he led forth next, and allowed them to graze off the herbs suitable for them. And finally came the vigorous ones that had attained their full growth, and to them he gave the hard grass that was left, which the others could not eat, but which afforded good food for them. Then spake God, he that understandeth how to pasture sheep, providing for each what is good for it, he shall pasture my people. Once a kid escaped from the flock, and when Moses followed it, he saw how it stopped at all the watercourses, and he said to it, Poor kid, I knew not that thou wast thirsty, and wast running after water. Thou art weary, I ween. And he carried it back to the herd on his shoulder. Then said God, Thou hast compassion with a flock belonging to a man of flesh and blood. As thou livest, thou shalt pasture Israel, my flock. Not only did Moses take heed that no harm should come to the herds under his charge, but he was also careful that they cause no injury to men. He always chose an open meadow as his pasturing place to prevent his sheep from grazing in private estates. Jethro had no reason to be dissatisfied with the services rendered to him by his son-in-law. During the forty years Moses acted as his shepherd, not one sheep was attacked by wild beasts, and the herds multiplied to an incredible degree. Once he drove the sheep about in the desert for forty days, without finding a pasturing place for them. Nevertheless, he did not lose a single sheep. Moses's longing for the desert was irresistible. His prophetic spirit caused him to foresee that his own greatness and the greatness of Israel would manifest themselves there. In the desert God's wonders would appear, though it would be at the same time the grave of the human herd to be entrusted to him in the future, and also his own last resting place. Thus he had a presentiment at the very beginning of his career that the desert would be the scene of his activity, which not only came true in the present order of things, 
but also will be true in the latter days, when he will appear in the desert again, to lead into the promised land the generation arisen from their graves that he brought forth from Egyptian bondage. Wandering through the desert, he reached Mount Horeb, which is called by six names, each conveying one of its distinctions. It is the mountain of God, wherein the Lord revealed his law. Basban, for God came there, a mountain of humps, for the Lord declared all the other mountains unfit for the revelation, as crooked-backed animals are declared unfit for sacrifices. Mountain of abode, because it is the mountain that God desired for his abode. Sinai, because the hatred of God against the heathen began at the time when Israel received the law thereon. And Horeb, sword, because there the sword of the law was drawn upon the sinners. THE BURNING THORNBUSH when Moses drew near to Mount Horeb, he was aware at once that it was a holy place, for he noticed that passing birds did not alight upon it. At his approach the mountain began to move, as though to go forward and meet him, and it settled back into quietude only when his foot rested upon it. The first thing Moses noticed was the wonderful burning bush, the upper part of which was a blazing flame, neither consuming the bush nor preventing it from bearing blossoms as it burnt, for the celestial fire has three peculiar qualities. It produces blossoms, it does not consume the object around which it plays, and it is black of color. The fire that Moses saw in the bush was the appearance of the angel Michael, who had descended as the forerunner of the Shekinah herself, to come down presently. It was the wish of God to hold converse with Moses, who, however, was not inclined to permit any interruption of the work under his charge. Therefore God startled him with the wonderful phenomenon of the burning thorn bush. That brought Moses to a stop, and then God spoke with him. There were good reasons for selecting the thorn bush as the vessel for a divine vision. It was clean, for the heathen could not use it to make idols. God's choosing to dwell in this stunted thorn-bush conveyed the knowledge to Moses that he suffers along with Israel. Furthermore, Moses was taught that there is nothing in nature, not even the insignificant thorn-bush, that can exist without the presence of the Shekinah. Besides, the thorn-bush may be taken as the symbol for Israel in several respects. As the thorn-bush is the lowliest of all species of trees, so the condition of Israel in the exile is the lowliest as compared with that of all the other nations. But as the thorn-bush releases no bird that alights upon it without lacerating its wings, so the nations that subjugate Israel will be punished. Also, as a garden hedge is made of the thorn-bush, so Israel forms the hedge for the world, the garden of God for without Israel the world could not endure. Furthermore, as the thorn-bush bears thorns and roses alike, so Israel has pious and impious members, and as the thorn-bush requires ample water for its growth, so Israel can prosper only through the Torah, the celestial water. 
and the thorn-bush, the leaf of which consists of five leaflets, was to indicate to Moses that God had resolved to redeem Israel only for the sake of the merits of five pious men, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Aaron, and Moses. The numbers represented by the letters composing the Hebrew word for thorn-bush, Senna, add up to one hundred and twenty, to convey that Moses would reach the age of one hundred and twenty years, and that the Shekinah would rest on Mount Horeb for one hundred and twenty days. Finally, in order to give Moses an illustration of his modesty, God descended from the exalted heavens and spake to him from a lowly thorn-bush instead of the summit of a lofty mountain or the top of a stately cedar tree. THE ASCENSION OF MOSES The vision of the burning bush appeared to Moses alone. The other shepherds with him saw nothing of it. He took five steps in the direction of the bush, to view it at close range, and when God beheld the countenance of Moses distorted by grief and anxiety over Israel's suffering, he spake, This one is worthy of the office of pastoring my people. Moses was still a novice in prophecy. Therefore God said to himself, If I reveal myself to him in loud tones, I shall alarm him. But if I reveal myself with a subdued voice, he will hold prophecy in low esteem. Whereupon he addressed him in his father Amram's voice. Moses was overjoyed to hear his father speak, for it gave him the assurance that he was still alive. The voice called his name twice, and he answered, Here I am. What is my father's wish? God replied, saying, I am not thy father. I but desired to refrain from terrifying thee, therefore I spoke with thy father's voice. I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. These words rejoiced Moses greatly. For not only was his father Amram's name pronounced in the same breath with the names of the three patriarchs, but it came before theirs, as though he ranked higher than they. Moses said not a word. In silent reverence before the divine vision he covered his face, and when God disclosed the mission with which he charged him, of bringing the Israelites forth from the land of Egypt, he answered with humility, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Thereupon spake God, Moses, thou art meek, and I will reward thee for thy modesty. I will deliver the whole land of Egypt into thine hand, and besides I will let thee ascend unto the throne of my glory, and look upon all the angels of the heavens." Hereupon God commanded Metatron, the angel of the face, to conduct Moses to the celestial regions amid the sound of music and song, and he commanded him furthermore to summon thirty thousand angels to serve as his bodyguard, fifteen thousand to the right of him, and fifteen thousand to left of him. In abject terror Moses asked Metatron, Who art thou? And the angel replied, I am Enoch, the son of Jared, thy ancestor, and God has charged me to accompany thee to his throne. 
But Moses demurred, saying, I am but flesh and blood, and I cannot look upon the countenance of an angel. Whereupon Metatron changed Moses' flesh into torches of fire, his eyes into Merkabah wheels, his strength into an angel's, and his tongue into a flame. And he took him to heaven with a retinue of thirty thousand angels, one half moving to right of them, and one half to left of them. In the first heaven Moses saw streams upon streams of water, and he observed that the whole heaven consisted of windows, at each of which angels were stationed. Metatron named and pointed out all the windows of heaven to him, the window of prayer and the window of supplication, of weeping and of joy, plenitude and starvation, wealth and poverty, war and peace, conception and birth, showers and soft rains, sin and repentance, life and death, pestilence and healing, sickness and health, and many windows more. In the second heaven Moses saw the angel Nuriel, standing three hundred parasangs high, with his retinue of fifty myriad of angels, all fashioned out of water and fire, and all keeping their faces turned toward the Shekinah, while they sang a song of praise to God. Metatron explained to Moses that these were the angels set over the clouds, the winds, and the rains, who return speedily, as soon as they have executed the will of their Creator, to their station in the second of the heavens, there to proclaim the praise of God. In the third heaven Moses saw an angel, so tall it would take a human being five hundred years to climb to his height. He had seventy thousand heads, each head having as many mouths, each mouth as many tongues, and each tongue as many sayings, and he together with his suite of seventy thousand myriad of angels, made of white fire, praised and extolled the Lord. These, said Metatron to Moses, are called Erelim, and they are appointed over the grass, the trees, the fruits, and the grain. But as soon as they have done the will of their Creator, they return to the place assigned to them, and praise God. In the fourth heaven Moses saw a temple, the pillars thereof made of red fire, the staves of green fire, the thresholds of white fire, the boards and clasps of flaming fire, the gates of carbuncles, and the pinnacles of rubies. Angels were entering the temple and giving praise to God there. In response to a question from Moses, Metatron told him that they presided over the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, and the other celestial bodies, and all of them intoned songs before God. In this heaven Moses noticed also the two great planets, Venus and Mars, each as large as the whole earth, and concerning these he asked unto what purpose they had been created. Metatron explained thereupon, that Venus lies upon the sun to cool him off in summer, else he would scorch the earth, and Mars lies upon the moon, to impart warmth to her, lest she freeze the earth. Arrived in the fifth heaven, Moses saw hosts of angels, whose nether parts were of snow, and their upper parts of fire. And yet the snow did not melt, nor was the fire extinguished. 
for God had established perfect harmony between the two elements. These angels, called Ashim, have had nothing to do since the day of their creation but praise and extol the Lord. In the sixth of the heavens were millions and myriads of angels praising God. They were called Irin and Kadishim, watchers and holy ones, and their chief was made of hell, and he was so tall it would take five hundred years to walk a distance equal to his height. In the last heaven Moses saw two angels, each five hundred parasangs in height, forged out of chains of black fire and red fire, the angels Ath, anger, and Hema, wrath, whom God created at the beginning of the world, to execute his will. Moses was disquieted when he looked upon them, but Metatron embraced him and said, Moses, Moses, thou favorite of God, fear not, and be not terrified. And Moses became calm. There was another angel in the seventh heaven, different in appearance from all the others, and of frightful mien. His height was so great, it would have taken five hundred years to cover a distance equal to it. And from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet, he was studded with glaring eyes, at the sight of which the beholder fell prostrate in awe. This one, said Metatron, addressing Moses, is Samael who takes the soul away from man. "'Whither goes he now?' asked Moses, and Metatron replied, "'To fetch the soul of Job the pious.' Thereupon Moses prayed to God in these words, "'O may it be thy will, my God and the God of my fathers, not to let me fall into the hands of this angel.' Here, in the highest heaven, he saw also the seraphim with their six wings. With two they cover their face, that they gaze not upon the Shekinah, and with two their feet, which being like a calf's feet, they hide, to keep secret Israel's transgression of the golden calf. With the third pair of wings they fly and do the service of the Lord, all the while exclaiming, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. The wings of these angels are of prodigious size. It would take a man five hundred years to traverse their length and their breadth, as from one end of the earth to the other. And Moses saw in the seventh heaven the holy Hayat, which support the throne of God, and he beheld also the angel Zagzagel, the prince of the Torah and of wisdom who teaches the Torah in seventy languages to the souls of men, and thereafter they cherish the precepts contained therein as laws revealed by God to Moses on Sinai. From this angel with the horns of glory, Moses himself learnt all the ten mysteries. Having seen what there is in the seven heavens, he spoke to God, saying, I will not leave the heavens unless thou grantest me a gift. And God replied, I will give thee the Torah, and men shall call it the law of Moses. End of chapter 4, part 7